Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode contains some mild adult language. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Animation Communications Podcast, featuring yours truly, the Abby Rody, also known as Lauren, <laughs> and uh, and also with KP, of course. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, he is a 3D animator, modeler, extraordinaire, and he is also a, a familiar YouTube personality. So it's really cool. I, I remember his name circling the interwebs years ago, and so it's really cool to be able to have him on today. Tommy Oliver, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Why don't you introduce up? yourself, Tommy? Uh, my name is Tommy <laughs> Oliver, not to be confused with legendary hero of Angel Grove, uh, the Green Ranger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I do a bunch of stuff. I do uh, some illustration, some comic books, some storytelling, but mostly what I'm doing recently is uh, low-poly 3D animation 3d modeling and uh doing some game design stuff as well so kind of always really what's a what's a poly uh, what's a poly yeah so a polygon as you may have learned in uh geometry class <laughs> is a uh shape that consists of at least three sides and so in 3d uh we use flat polygons assembled in three-dimensional spaces to simulate uh three-dimensional objects so you can take like six squares and arrange them in a way that makes a cube and then that cube you like the computer can like calculate those points which are called vertices and basically it just connects those vertices to create flat polygons and then it combines those together to simulate 3d shapes so you can do something as simple as like a cube or you can add tons of different vertices and create really complicated shapes like human figures and that's how you know pixar makes their animations and like sony makes their video games it's all based on polygons so pay attention math class kids it could be useful someday that's why i don't fall asleep during math class <laughs> yeah like me <laughs> it's like really it's like really um it's like playing with legos but like for adults right um i suppose i mean you do like <laughs> like Le legos is kind of like you know you have like your you already have the shapes. shapes yeah you got like your your long piece and your small piece and your minifig guy um 3d is a little bit more like you can use it like that if you wanted to because it has like a bunch of primitives usually most modeling programs you can add like a sphere and a cube and like a lattice or whatever um but like uh the interest the power of 3d is that you can take basic shapes like that and start adding like custom geometry to it you can use with like tools like extrusion and insetting and things to basically take the points that are there add to them make customized shapes and so it's kind of like if you could like take a Lego brick and then like pull out another smaller Lego brick from that Lego brick and you make it a custom Lego piece that was like totally your own. Uh, that's kind of how 3D works. And uh, it's really interesting. It's like kind of mind bending to take something that starts as a cube and then like, you know, like 25 minutes later, you have like the basic shape of a human figure. It's like, whoa, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So. I feel. In case, and no, in case nobody's caught on, our topic is 3D animation today. <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't read... The... I'll do my best to make it exciting. Yeah, Tommy is going to do his best. And for those people who 
are old school horse people. Tommy wasn't like an old school horse person like back in the day. Indeed. I was you there, were there at the dawn of time. You were there at the, the high the high point of whatever I was there when Twilight was still a unicorn. I remember <laughs> those days. Man, they feel like forever ago. Oh gosh. Um back when Lauren Faust was on the show. <laughs> exactly. So um yeah, I remember the first BronyCon, like no one gave a crap about me, but like Tommy had all these fangirls and he was like give they were giving him like a bunch of rarities. I don't know if I had fangirls. <laughs> That's let's 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 check the demographics of these conventions. Read the brony you know, let's room. Not, <laughs> let's not paint a false picture for the viewers here. <laughs> there was like one girl, and she was the attention of everybody. It was it was truly a sad display. Um, but yeah, I did I did I did my rounds. I got my uh, my 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 adoration, I suppose, which is kind of strange. It was the first time because I had been doing stuff online for years before My Little Pony started, uh, but I never really got into fandom. That was like the first and only time I never had before and I never have since. And uh, what do you know? When you make art for things that people actually already care about, uh, you, you, you gain followers. And as soon as you stop doing that, they go away again. It's like, wow, uh, supply and demand, business, capitalism. It's like it's like all theory and shit. And it's there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did my stint there. I got some audience. It was a really good learning experience. I kind of came out of my shell. Believe it or not, I was even cringier than I am now back in the day before horses. I was just like a total mess. I didn't know how to interface with human beings. But uh, being in public and having people run up to you kind of forced you to be like, I guess I need to learn how to communicate. And uh, it was good for my personal development. If you're what, so I guess the, the moral of the story is if you're, if you're, um, introverted then you can just try to be famous on the internet and then it will eventually stop right yeah. <laughs> just like try and do the most extroverted thing possible which is like slave your way for attention for people you've never even met and put yourself in the public face constantly uh the interesting thing is that by doing it on the internet you can still do it from the comfort of your own room and it doesn't feel real until you're thrust into a convention you're like oh my god those numbers are people <laughs> that's pretty scary so yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, kind of thing. I remember the first uh, panel that I did, there was just like a whole full room of people. I was like, oh, no. Oh, it's real now. This is strange. So definitely a weird experience. Yeah, I remember last year. Um, it's funny. It was my first time to BronyCon. So, of course, it was ironically the last BronyCon ever. That was my first BronyCon. <laughs> and, um, and I remember... Uh, we were with the the Team Fortress Two Analysis Anarchy team, and uh, we had a meet and greet after. And I'd never been a part of like a meet and greet before. And oh yeah, it, it, it got cray. It was a three hour meet and greet. I sh shit you not, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna it's have so to wild. censor that part. Um, but it was. And are I, we not allowed to curse? Should I be? Should we, I be? We we to we, we are allowed. To we curse, are allowed to. We so, just have to preface know. the episode with adult language or whatever. Even uh, though, okay. even if we say it one word, we just want to make sure the children, the children are protected. Uh, the see. children are warned. I don't want. They're I don't want. I don't want figures coming to me at conventions saying like my daughter used to love you but then you said the f word and now you're banned from our our nice christian household and i'm just <laughs> like oh no i've been foiled oh no you said the f word just now foiled <laughs> you see, caught me i can see a christian household not liking the word foiled for some reason <laughs> foil as in tinfoil as in conspiracy as in 
aluminum foil reflects God's rays back in the direction they came from, and it's a front to the Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I grew up in a Christian household, so I know how it goes. <laughs> we we are a good Christian show that s- slides every once in a while. But anyway, <laughs> and by once in a while, I mean it's virtually every show. But anyway. <laughs> We're good people, I promise you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, BernieCon was fun. Yeah, BernieCon was fun. Three hour, three hour meet and greet was absolutely crazy. Never expected that in my life ever. But yeah. Um, I didn't. I mean, you know, I I never know anymore because like it's hard to tell if people like me or or not based on like whatever bullshit is going around on the internet. So it's it's kind of fun to um to mess with people who you know are hesitant and then you turn out to be a nice person. They're just like, and then they're pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. So um, the thing I did is um, a lot of people, this is a little off topic, but a lot of people are coming and getting like the old TF2 poster done with um, a certain member who um, is not a good person mm-hmm. and so when i saw him i would i would also take the sharpie and i'd scribble him out and i'm like there i fixed it so perfect see what you missed tommy <laughs> oh oh trust me i still have my 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 ear to the ground i hear things <laughs> i know i know exactly what you're referring to um <laughs> the interesting thing about the pony stuff was that there was like cliques you know mm-hmm. there was like sub cliques within like what was already kind of a clique in and of itself so like you know You'd have like really big people that had lots of like an audience, but they would never like interact with each other really in any meaningful way. So and then like their audiences never really crossed over to a lot of other stuff as well. So you had like yeah. the music guys and they had their following and they didn't follow the analysis guys who had their following. And so it was just like there was very little overlap. So you could be like the star of the show one day and then the next day like nobody would care because they're just there for wooden toaster even though i don't think wooden toaster ever went to a convention <laughs> but that was just the first name that came to my mind <laughs> wooden toaster. Yeah. um but yeah it, i don't know if all fandoms work like that I, they probably do but like again i don't have any experience so it was just interesting to like because i was somebody who just like consumed everything because like when i get into something i don't know how to stop yeah so i knew all of the people and i mingled with all of the people and i tried to like get to know everybody but it was like when I'd go to a convention, I would have to like, all right, for the next couple hours, we're going to hang out with this group of people, but they're not going to hang out with my other friends. So I'm going to have to leave, hang out with these people. And it was just like constantly running around trying to make sure I talked to everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this, this is, this is dumb. <laughs> Let's all just get pizza. The moral of the story is do projects that inquire or that need to everyone to do things like you need. And then, and then you try to not die while doing them. But then eventually people meet each other that might not cross over normally um you know like video editors and artists and stuff like that probably wouldn't cross over normally until you like you push them in a room and you and i force them together and now they're friends and yeah i did it so but yeah fandom is weird anyway lauren what's the the, the news tell me aha uh-huh. yes what is the sitch this week so got three three little headlines here first of all uh, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, but now it's like literally within the week and probably by the time this episode airs, uh, it'll be the week after. But anyway, uh, the long awaited Animal Crackers movie is dropping on Netflix on July 24th. And, uh, for those of you who need a little refresher, uh, Animal Crackers was a movie that was, uh, directed by, t- uh, Tony Bancroft, who directed Mulan for Disney and he and his t- twin brother, Tom, were both Bancroft brothers who animated at Disney. 
and they're extremely talented, nice folks. And uh, and uh, th- but this movie was notorious for its uh, di- uh, basically its distribution hell um, because it was released in other countries. Like it was like China, maybe like one or two other countries, something like that. Um, but when it came time to try and release it in the U.S. and other countries, it never made it, and the the distributor was very uh messed up so to speak uh so it was it took a long time and now it's finally got a deal with netflix and it's coming out real soon so yay um so that that's happening and then uh second of all we have we had an announcement for season three of agretzico if you haven't watched agretzico highly recommend it it's hello kitty for adults (laughs) um it's fantastic it's it's absolutely wonderful and I'm really excited for season three. So, I mean, I, I personally loved season two. I know some people had some gripes about season two, but um, I personally loved it. So I, I love all the characters. I love the storylines. So I'm really excited to see where it'll go for season three. Um, and uh, yeah. And then finally, uh, we also have uh, the new voice actress uh, that was announced for Minnie Mouse after Russi Taylor passed away last year. Um, and she, you know, uh, it was like I think it was like for over thirty years, Russi Taylor was the voice of Minnie Mouse, and her husband was the originally the voice of Mickey as well. So they worked together. Um, That's adorable. Yeah, they were they were couple goals. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they announced that Caitlin Roebrook is going to be. I hope I pronounced her name right. I'm sorry. Um, she is uh, the new voice official voice for Minnie Mouse, and now she has done Minnie's voice in. Uh, in other like Disney parks and, and resorts stuff. And uh, she's done it for, for various instances in Disney TV animation. She's also been a voice actor for Warner brothers animation and Marvel projects. So it's really cool that she's officially stepped into the role as the official, official voice for Minnie Mouse. And that was announced. Uh, well, not really so much announced as revealed in the credits of the latest episode of Mickey Mouse mixed up adventures. So I thought that was pretty cool, but there was kind of that surprise announcement. Um, and I think that that's, that I thought it was, I thought it was a good positive headline. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I mean, you know, like, you know, those are career girl goals. You never have to do anything again. Yeah. Cause you can just be Minnie Mouse. Um, it's just like Bill Farmer being goofy. I can't, I can't imagine anybody else being goofy because he's goofy in literally everything and has been for 30 something years at least he's so pure he's such a you know he's such he seems like such a nice guy like sometimes when i'm bored and i need something to do before i lost disney plus and i'm probably gonna borrow lauren's disney plus eventually but anyway (laughs) uh, my brother has like the majority of stuff i have access to anyway so it's not that big of a deal except for like the original programming um so we were like my mom's like watching the news and i'm like i can't i can't news anymore like because it's just like it's politics mm-hmm. or it's coronavirus and it's always those two things over and over and over and over you guys know <laughs> so i was just like let's watch the nice show with bill farmer and the doggos so um um i think it's called it's a dog's life or something like that yeah and it's cute and he's like soon so nice and i'm just glad that um they're showing appreciation for someone who's not that they don't normally, but like he's he's getting to do some on camera work as himself versus just goofy all the time. And no one like who does goofy? I don't know. Like I don't know where he's hiding. <laughs> so you know, and like the 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 credits or the opening sequence is really cute. Like the art style is great. Um, and then I guess 
the other thing I wanted to mention before we actually go into breaking down what is a 3D and what is a polygon, um, again, um, is I started watching Close Enough, which is, like, um, regular show, but not really. I think it's in the same universe. I think that's been confirmed, but, um, it's, I, I like it so far. It's, it's more adult, so, um, which you can do when you're doing a streaming service, but it's still made by, uh, Cartoon Network Studios, so it's, it's a little bit different. Um, they say, they say bad words in it, but I don't know. I like it. Um, would recommend if you like kind of meta humor and you're slowly approaching your 30s in vain. Um, Tom, Tommy, are you old? Like, are you 30s? Oh, unfortunately, every every year I realize I'm probably not going to be able to get a robot body and become a transhuman. I'm probably going to die before it happens. It makes me sad. You can, the worst. you can be like one of those Futurama heads where we just put your head in a jar. I mean, unironically, do it. <laughs> My brain's the only thing that matters. Just, just hook it up to to nano machines or something. Keep it my brain alive until the robot bodies come down. <laughs> yeah, I've I've always liked JG Quiddle's writing and stuff. The stuff on regular show is really good. So mm-hmm. now that Close Enough is finally out, I definitely want to check it out. But like I said, I have a I have a, an aversion to streaming services because there's too many now and like paradox of choice. I'm just like, which one do I pay for? All of them? What about none of them? And then I go find. <laughs> don't don't torrent, kids. It's bad. I mean, like we can't stop you either. I guess if you're already doing it. Um, but you know, um, I I'm, I've never torrented in my life. You were you were you you were, you were raised in a good Christian household, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you don't you don't uh you don't listen to to the dark lord and go to the dark web. You just don't do it. I always laugh at the name dark web. Like it's just, it it's, just sounds. It just sounds like the, a sci-fi, the like the bad name for like a sci-fi bad guy, like hangout. Just like the dark web. The cursor is Darth Vader. You know? <laughs> got got to make it. Got to make a late night internet cafe called the dark web. <laughs> I'd hang out there. It's like that. Na- it's like that name's terrible. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That one's for free, people with actual money to start businesses. That one's a free. <laughs> Just for you. Um, um, I was also going to add, too, that if you're in L.A., um, Close Enough is based in L.A., so they do L.A. things, and I'm like, ha-ha, I get it now. Um, the most obvious one that I've seen so far is there's a scene where they build a, um, like a motorcycle jumpy thingy, like with fire, like a ramp. Um, mm-hmm. on like an evil Knievel kind of thing. Yeah, on um the the observatory. Oh, at Griffith so Park as an observatory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's everything's right. Like even the Hollywood sign is in the right place. What um from the view up there. So I was just like, haha, I know where that place is. But you know they they say L.A. continually in it, so it's definitely supposed to be based there. So if you're like. That's one of the things I um I like about being there when I'm when I'm actually there is I get those jokes and like a lot of times I'm more aware of like oh they mean Burbank because they put it on the map and oh I know that's the Warner Brothers lot and like that's where the Animaniacs live you know stuff like that exactly <laughs> have you ever been to-, to this day every time go ahead I'm sorry I was gonna say to this day anytime I pass the Warner Brothers studios I I look up at that water tower and I'm like. 
one of these days they're going to burst right out. The Animaniacs will be back. And actually, they're supposed to be on Hulu in the coming future. So, yes. I don't know. I think um, they've been working on the Animaniacs reboot for like ever now. So it's probably in development now. I think they're just afraid that the millennials are going to trash it because they do something wrong. So they just keep on redesigning everything. You know, well, there's the I do remember there were some screenshots from like a composer's room showing that had like a screenshot from one of the episodes that's coming up. So as far as I know, it's like they're keeping to like relatively the original uh, character designs, maybe updating them a little bit in terms of like art style, but not hugely different. And they did bring back the entire cast voice cast, the original one uh, to be back for the for the show and then they brought back a lot of writers and so um so i mean it it's going to be whatever the, the you know it's going to be the the 21st century take on uh animaniacs so we'll see i mean there's a lot they could run with with it and uh cuz they had a lot to run with in the 90s uh but no i think it's still it's still very much in production but um or at least maybe near the end of season i don't know if near maybe they've already completed season 1 and i'm just talking out of my butt i don't know but uh <laughs> um but i do know i've seen like you know storyboard artists kind of talking and like oh yeah we're d- i'm just gonna doodle some animaniacs and like we already know you're working on the show so it's not like your drawings are out of the blue i see you <laughs> i see you <laughs> um but i think that uh, like with all corona coronavirus headlines things are kind of slow lately so i hope you guys like binging stuff you've already seen before or get HBO Max so you can watch some new Looney Tunes stuff done in Flash because I heard that's pretty jamming. Um, or Animal Crackers or whatever. <laughs> or you know, if if you'd like to steal Lauren's Lauren's all Lauren subscriptions, you can go to like www.laurenstuff.com. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um. So, um, Lauren asked asked the question. What other questions? <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, these are going to sound like, this may sound like just a really general question, but as there are a lot of people who are new in the audience, uh, I mean, you kind of walk through polygons and, and you know, different faces on a shape and, and, and all that, but um, uh, what specifically do you do as a computer animator? Like, uh, what are your strengths in computer animation right now? Also, follow-up question, do you actually have to do math? Because that scares me. <laughs> um. Okay, so I kind of am trying to become like an indie one-man band kind of guy because I'm just like obsessed with being an, an autodidact, which just means like you do everything. Uh, at least that's what the internet told me. Good never, luck with I've, that. I've never bothered looking it up because uh, I guess looking up definitions for words I've heard online is not part of my uh, desired autodidact skill. But um, <laughs> so I've done, I, I'm, I would say my Probably my biggest interest is character modeling. I really like uh, the idea of re- realizing like character designs in three dimensions. Uh, I started doing illustration like all the way through middle school, and I went to college for it and stuff. And I never was really able to click with it because I understood the form of the character, but in terms of like drawing the form in space was very difficult. Like foreshortening and stuff never seemed to click with me, no matter how many tutorials I watched or how many like. Mm-hmm quick tricks i would look up on the internet it just never never worked i knew how the character was formed i just didn't know how to draw it that way so 3d takes care of that for you because it's a three-dimensional shape it does all the perspective and stuff right by its very nature so i could just focus on the form which was what i 
kind of could mentally envision anyway. So that was like a really big breakthrough in terms of like being able to better translate my ideas into like a form that people can enjoy as opposed to being trapped in my head all the time. Uh, so I've done character design is a really big thing. Um, I guess like if you were going to break it down in terms of like what industry says, like different jobs, there's modeling, there's texturing, which is where you take the shape and then you basically put extra detail on there, uh, like the colors and like the, what the clothes are and like what the skin tones look like and things like that. It's uh, it's basically a way of adding more detail and making it look more lifelike. Uh, then you have rigging, which is when you make a digital skeleton. That is what controls the actual animation of the character. Because a lot of times people compare 3D to 2D animation. Um, but like 3D is really just digital puppetry because mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. You're basically making an armature, a digital armature, and then your 3D model is the puppet that that armature controls. And then animating is just like moving that around like you would, you know, like in a Tim Burton movie or something, how they move that armature around from, you know, frame to frame. Uh, the nice thing about computers is they can do interpolation. So instead of having to like, if you're making a guy wave, you know, if you're, if you're doing it in stop motion, you have to move it every single frame manually. Mm -hmm. In 3D, computers can automatically key in all the in-betweens of like, a wave so you can set like the start and the end of the wave and the computer will know how to animate in between them so it's kind of a time saver in that way um so i've done a little bit of rigging i've done a little bit of animation which is definitely the hardest part because it's animation and uh <laughs> what else do i need to say um animation is hard it's incredibly difficult uh it's a totally different beast in 3d um, cause again, you're, you're doing more puppetry than you are like rep representing form with drawing, like a sequence of drawings. Mm -hmm. So it works a bit better to my strengths just as like how my brain works. So I've done, I've barely done any 2d animation just because my brain was just like, I can barely draw one picture in perspective. You want me to do 15 a second? Like, no, nah, I'm out. So <laughs> this is a little bit more manageable. So I've done a little bit of animation stuff. Um, and now I'm starting to kind of also get into like game design and use my 3D models, uh, either exporting them as sprites, which are just like 2D video game graphics, or even trying to do 3D uh, stuff. So another thing I'm actually doing that I just started doing a week ago is 3D printing. Mm. So this is what's great about 3D modeling is that it's like very flexible. You can use it for animation. You can use it for games. You can use it for 3D printing. So I've been printing like test prints of trying to like take my models and make them physical objects and stuff. So. Yeah, it's very flexible. But I was gonna pick one thing. It's character modeling. I'm really interested in designing characters, animating them, bring them to life. Uh, that's that's the thing. Characters are cool. Backgrounds, even 3D, are still boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like me as a 2D as a 2D. Like I'm a character designer, and I, in terms of 2D animation that I've done, I I my strengths are extremely very much in character uh versus like elements or drawing backgrounds or anything like that um uh so i totally feel that yeah <laughs> i mean i envy environment artists who can just like envision an entire space but like oh absolutely like my brain just puts a blur on all of that you know like i can play like a video game and the, and like a half an hour later i'll be like where did that level even take place i don't even pay attention to backgrounds i'm just focused <laughs> on all the characters it's yeah. just where my brain goes so oh my god yeah that's that's a mood um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's just a general thing and like for animators like everyone wants to do wants to be the animator, everyone wants to work with the characters because the characters usually are more fun than doing backgrounds because 
everyone's just like, still life is boring. I like the shapes of people. So, eh, I guess you gotta do a little bit of both. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, that's just something I noticed. But I, you know, I guess, I guess my strengths are, um, I like animating traditionally, which is boring, and people are like, what? But I don't know. I like I like working with my hands. That's what she said, essentially. <laughs> so, um, versus like doing something on my tablet or my computer. Like I am trying to update my portfolio whenever this fucking plague is over, essentially. But like every time I look at my tablet, I cry. So like everything I have, I've had to work on for the team. I've been doing it on paper and sending screenshots to people, which is like bad, but. It gets it gets so much easier. Like that's why in the in the loopy thing, Lauren's working on a tablet and I'm not. I'm working <laughs> with a pencil because I'm old school. Anyway, I'm old. That's that's the the end of the story. I mean, <laughs> as as an almost boomer myself, I guess I technically am a boomer now. God. Um, yeah, I do. I all, almost all of my work starts with pencil and paper. Like even when I'm doing a 3D model, usually you'll have a reference image you're working off of, and I'll always sketch it out on paper. Uh, I don't know. I just I'm just more comfortable working with pencil and paper, probably because that's what I was drawing all through middle school. Because back in my day, we didn't have good internet, so like, <laughs> you just had to like draw on paper and stuff. So it's just more comforting. I have I feel like I have more control. Like uh, unless you have like three thousand dollars to draw up on like the most expensive Wacom tablet, like drawing on glass definitely feels different than like the resistance of paper. Oh yeah. So like it's like a different feeling of control when you're using the pencil. So it feels a lot more natural. Um, also I spam control Z when I draw digitally. So drawing traditionally, it's, you got to commit to stuff a little bit more and you kind of work around your mistakes and integrate them into the design as opposed to just constantly like, I got to get the perfect line. I got to get the perfect line. You control Z like 400 times. Like you can't do that. So you kind of like force you to just keep going. So for concept art and stuff, I really like working in a sketchbook. Yeah. And, and so yeah, to all, to all listeners, yeah, drawing is still important, even in 3D. I mean, everything starts pretty much as a drawing. It's an idea that you put down on paper. Here's a visualization. And then how do we carry that to 3D? That's when you look at turnarounds that are usually done as drawings. And then you do a 3D model based off of that. So it's like, yeah, everything starts with drawings. And so don't think that 3D, that 3D animators... Like they say you can't, you don't have to draw. It's like, no, it's important to know to draw because you want to be able to understand from a design aspect and a construction aspect, how that works as a, you know, and you want to make some, make sure something translates well from 2D to 3D. You need to understand the 2D stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Definitely. I think, I mean, I'll, go ahead, Tommy. Oh, I was just going to say like all my designs usually start is uh, 2D, but like, again, I'm not great at 2D. So when they start going to 3D, uh changes happen you know like oh mm -hmm. when something is in a 3d space it's like oh that actually wouldn't work the way i thought it would in 2d or like now that i don't have to like work around my lack of great drawing ability i can take the implied detail and really flesh it out and make it better but like there's always a place to start i know a lot of 3d artists who generally just work off of other artist pieces like they'll find a 2d piece they like and translate it into 3d mm -hmm. so like you can like do the technical side of 3d without having to do a lot of drawing but it opens up you know way more possibilities if you can get your ideas on paper and then into the computer as opposed to having to source someone else's ideas so yeah it's worth it's worth knowing even on a rudimentary level just as a springing off point exactly yeah i'll just 
I'll just mention before we get into more detailed uh, discussion, if you're new, I guess, for some reason, welcome to the new people. Um, we're met, we're like, we're, we're kind of in the intermediate stage of term um, discussion. So if you're like, what's a keyframe, you know? Like what is you know what like what is rigging you know th that kind of stuff what is perspective then I think the the episodes for you are character design with Steven Silver and then we do an art for basics where I I touch on basic animation principles essentially so if you're if you think we're speaking Spanish to you I'm sorry but <laughs> then you can just listen to those ones and then come back and then like gain a better perspective but like that's kind of the idea of the podcast that's kind of the idea of the podcast is we do the basic stuff and then we build um on that depending on what we're talking about um but yeah um hmm, i'm trying to think yeah i was gonna say um because I, I know you're in game design right now and uh what originally piqued your interest in 3d animation especially into translating it into video game design um well i mean what really got me started doing 3d was first just the frustration of not being able to draw perspective very well because i wanted to tell stories and part of like any good story in terms of animation i feel is like you know like your camera work and your quote-unquote camera work the way you like present things you know that really affects the mood and stuff like that so if you want to do some high energy action having some crazy foreshortening where like the hands like really big and it has like emphasizes the action and the body kind of recedes in space and stuff really this like dynamic staging was integral to like how my mind's eye was thinking of these ideas and i couldn't translate them onto the paper in drawings so 3d just seemed to be the natural next step to go um and i decided to go with low poly because i'm old and i grew up with the playstation 2 and that aesthetic is like quintessential 3d art to me it was a great way of you doing a lot with a little because like the ps2 was not a very powerful piece of hardware so it couldn't do photorealistic stuff like we take for granted now. Like you had to really be creative with how you represented forms. And a lot of the non-photorealistic games on the PS2 still look really good. Like you look at Ratchet and Clank or Jack and Daxter and stuff like that. And they're gorgeous, like to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really liked the idea of, of kind of doing a lot with a little like that uh, because I'm a one person guy. I don't have a bunch of team to like throw this stuff off to. And uh, I watched like a tutorial that someone made about like how to model a low poly character. And they were like, yeah, low poly is just like, you know, the lazy person's approach to modeling. I'm like, sold, done. That's all you need to say. I'm in it. Let's do it. Like that, you're speaking my language now. I'm lazy. Let's make it happen. <laughs> so from that point, it was just really focusing primarily on low poly uh, just because it, it's, it'll run on any computer. You know, it doesn't require a lot of hardware. It doesn't require a ton of work, you know. Uh, it, it's um, I mean, it's still very time intensive, but in terms of like, you're not sitting there like, oh, God, I got to figure out how to get all these characters pores accurately represented on their face. You know, it's, it's it lets you kind of focus more on the macro stuff, which is what I was interested in, the storytelling and the character design and stuff like that. You don't get bogged down into like, I got to I got to paint these normal maps and stuff on my characters today. It's just like really kind of like grindy stuff that if you're a technical artist, that's really interesting. Um, but I'm not, I'm not super technical in terms of like the technology is a tool to get to the end goal of telling the story. Um, not so much like I'm not jonesing on the tech in and of itself for the most part. Mm. And so I think there's definitely two different ways of thinking of it. I think people who work like in the industry for studios and stuff, technical artists are a great fit for that because they just want to like get the toys and play with them and make the best things possible. And like somebody telling them what to do is a great fit. 
because they just they just want an excuse to make these things, whatever they are. Because right. they want to like, I want to push more polys. I want to get realistic hair simulation. I want to, you know, have realistic snow and water effects that are just like require a crazy amount of computations I could never do on my computer at home or something like that. If that's what gets you excited, you're you'll work great in a studio in, uh, setting because like they need tons of people to do those kinds of things. But if you're someone like me who's much more interested in telling a story and creating characters. Uh, getting bogged down in a realistic uh, water simulation is really not going to help the story be told any better. So moving to something like low poly and non-photorealistic art style lets those details be implied instead of directly rendered so the greater picture can come into focus more quickly. Then meanwhile, Final Fantasy be like... <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, and then you have Square <laughs> Enix, who's just like, can we? How many billions of dollars are we going to spend on our proprietary rendering engine this year? It's just like, come on, guys, it's fine. It's like I give your I give two mate. your two most widely acclaimed games in the last decade are Octopath Traveler and Bravely Default, two simple games made for handhelds. You fools! You utter <laughs> buffoons! You've been bamboozled by your own hubris. Just make simple games. That's what everybody wants. Have you seen Flappy Bird? <laughs> oh, th that that made a bazillion dollars. Exactly. Even Angry Birds had a movie made made after it. Two of them. They had two. Two of them. They had two. Which actually, I still have yet to watch the second one, and yet I've heard the second one is actually better than the first. So there you go. It's it's very strange that we live in a world where two Angry Birds movies exist, and they're probably the best video game adaptations um, that have come out. It's just like. You have all these great narrative-driven well, games. Well, Sonic. Uh, I guess Sonic was pretty good too. Sonic, Sonic was a Sonic was fun. I'm like, it was actually. I want Knuckles to be in the next one. And and I I've want... seen people trying to petition to get The Rock to be the voice of Knuckles, and I'm like, actually though, oh, God. actually though, it would work. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. But yeah. Uh, I I was gonna say. Um, I'd be for so, that. So. Uh, Sorry, I'm blanking here. Sorry, end of the day here. It's all good. <laughs> um, so, uh, so as you've been working and developing in in character animation, character modeling, um, uh, what was your most difficult or challenging project that you've done, or is there any project that you have in mind that you aim to do, or at some point would like to be a part of? I'm not sure. So, um, just tell us a little about that. Sure. Um. Actually, before I do that, I just want to make a quick note, because uh, KP, you asked, is there actually math involved in 3D? Uh, there doesn't need to be. Oh, yeah, he remembered. I did. Re <laughs> somehow I did remember that. Uh, there doesn't have to be. Most of the time, I don't use math um, in, in actual 3D, but like if you get into stuff like shader editing and stuff, where it's like you can like make custom ways that like light and stuff interacts and like Lots of people do crazy stuff with the shaders. Like, oh, I just like have this shader that just procedurally makes fire and it animates fire, and I don't have to like actually go and hand animate it. I've just put all these like coding and math, and the computer does it for me. Like, that's like the real power of 3D. <laughs> I, I can't do it because I'm just like five plus five is like where I tap out, guys. Okay, like all this crazy stuff you're doing. Let, to, like, let me let me computer. Let me go on a rant about how bad I am at math. Okay, so. I mean, I'm one of those people that, like, I could probably be smart. I'm I'm smart. I'm putting myself down. I probably could be good at school in general if I really pushed myself. But as someone, maybe the younger kids can, can identify with me in my sp spiel. But for someone who's primarily in anim into animation and arty things, 
then, like, math and science, maybe besides physics, you don't really need, like, at all. You know, you need your basic maths to, like, figure out how much to tip the person that you go into the restaurant to. But they even have apps for that now, so you don't even have to, like, bother. Right. I don't need to learn how to, like, do complicated graphs. Like, you know, that information is just thrown out of your brain, essentially. Because I was so bad at math that, so I, I got, like, like a 2.6 in high school. But keep in mind, it was, like, in the top 20% of high school. So it was a smart high school. I was just, like, it's good enough. Um, so I did, I had a math support class, which was an extra class. So I had two maths, um, all throughout high school, except the, my senior year when they had, like, regular maths for, like, things that, the opposite of what I'm describing, like, how to do your taxes and, like, you know, just organizing a 401k, things that you would actually use that I forgot, essentially. So that, that class I didn't, I didn't need math support for because it, it wasn't as challenging. And then when I got to college, I had to take two, like, stupid math so I could pass, like, a, a general test to, to, to take Math 101. And Math 101 was easier than those other two classes, and I got an A in Math 101. So, you know, but if it makes you feel better after you, like, get check off your check in college for math, then you never have to worry about it ever again. So math is, yeah, is bad. Yeah, when I finished my college math class, I was super stoked. I was like, oh, it's finally dead. <laughs> and now it's just like, man, if you had learned math, you'd be making, like, fire, like, magically right now. Like, who got the last laugh now? I'm just like, <laughs> math, those damn mathematic people, they win again. Oh. It's all good, though. Um, they, they, they did the math. Did oh, shit. <laughs> that's where that's what they mean oh god oh no okay. uh, um, fun game too strong to, to go back to go back to the, the the question um in terms of like projects and stuff that's like hard or things that i want to do um the most difficult thing i have with doing 3d right now is uh topology mm. so i topology for the uninitiated is like how polygons are laid out to make up your so you can you when you create a polygon model you have to like consciously lay out how the shapes are put together um because like ideally in a perfect world like if you're really good at 3d you basically have the way the polygons are put together mimic the sh basic shapes of like muscles and like the human form and stuff because like they'll deform the same way muscles do um so you have like loops of polygons so you'll have like a whole circle going around the eye so that can like animate and move like an eye muscle would and then you have a loop going around a character's mouth so it can t stretch and deform like the mouth does when when your jaw moves and things like that and so there's topology is like the way of intentionally laying down these shapes in order to better mimic the organic form you're trying to replicate in virtual space and this is very difficult um because you have to stitch all the shapes together in a way that makes them easy to animate. Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of like traditional workflow done in, in like the industry right now is you start with di essentially digital clay and sculpt a model. Uh, so it basically works just like clay with control Z. You just go in there, you can use your divot brushes and like your bulge brushes, whatever. You just kind of like 
craft the form out of this digital clay and you don't have to think about topology at all. It uses what's called dynamic topology. So it's just like, screw it. We'll throw as many shapes down as we need. You don't even have to think about them. Just make your thing. Uh, so you can do a really crazy detailed model just just by, you know, working with this clay and not thinking about like the underlying structure. Uh, and it looks great. Can I do a... Huh? Can I do a sideway? Can I do a segue sure. for a second? Segway away. Okay, so I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to explain the difference between subtractive and, um, no, like thinking in negative space essentially for art and uh, thinking in positive spaces. Um, I don't, like, correct, guys, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm tired. But essentially, um, so in art school, some, so an exercise that you would do is, like, if you're doing still life, you're, like, drawing flowers or what the fuck. Like, I don't know, flowers or fucking apples or whatever, a bowl. You know, things that they have you draw. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that's the opposite, essentially, where you're doing things normally, where you take a piece of chalk or charcoal or pencil or whatever you're using. Charcoal is messy, but it, it, it works really well. Um, it looks pretty, like, when you show off. It's like, look at me, I'm an artist now. Anyway, um, so, but the other way is um, doing things subtractively, and it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around, so that's why I was like, let me try to explain that real quick. So imagine, um, essentially, you know, it's like that SpongeBob, it's like that SpongeBob episode where you have to kind of see the form in what you're going to make, and you just have to take off what you don't want. Mm -hmm. So in a two D in a two D space, like so, I'm like this charcoal drawing. What you would do is you would charcoal the paper and then draw your shapes basically in reverse, where you're drawing on the you're you're subtracting charcoal with an eraser, and that's how you're forming you know, whatever's going on. So, like, if you're doing maybe a more darker setting, like, that might be faster because the majority of the, um, I want to say the frame, the majority of the picture or whatever is going to be darkly lit, and then maybe there's some light highlights depending on where the source of light is coming from. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I just wanted to break that down because, like, it's when you first think of things that way, you first start doing exercises that way, your brain kind of hurts. So to do, like a like, one of these rants without having that, um, picture in your head, I think, would be like hard to wrap your brain around. But go ahead, Tommy, continue. Sure. Um, talk about sculpting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you do like a digital sculpt, basically you're just focusing on the form and not thinking about the the structure of it. It's just like I don't care what my polygons look like. I just want to create this form. And so when you're done with that, you have a great looking model that you can't do anything with because like it's probably too high poly to animate effectively. And even if you could animate it effectively, uh, just the way the geometry is all laid out, it doesn't have any like intentional uh, edge flow or intentional topology. It's just like shapes all over the place making a zigzaggy mess uh, that won't animate. So you kind of have to do it again, doing something called re-topology. So it's where you basically take your finished sculpture and you make it a second time this time doing intentional topology, like following the shapes of like the muscle groups and stuff. So like when you want to animate this one, it's lower poly, so it's easier to, to animate on a computer and it's designed to deform essentially, as opposed to just being a display piece. When you retopologize something, you're designing it to deform. So you have like uh, circles around like the joints and stuff. So when they curl up, they kind of collapse in on each other correctly versus like just having shapes all over the place that kind of conflict and, and do weird things. Um, 
that's like an art in and of itself. And from what I understand, it is like the biggest stumbling block for most people trying to get into 3D because there's just so many resources on it and so many people trying to explain it. Um, I'm still not even close to a master of that. That is like the most difficult thing for me to do, like pretty much anybody else, is like being able to like take a form and think about it in a functional way, not just a display sort of way. Um, in terms of like a project that's like big in scope that I want to do, I want to make a 3D action adventure game. It's like an homage to a PlayStation 2 mm. game. So like that kind of graphical style, that kind of scope. Uh, and that's a huge undertaking because those were made for millions of dollars uh, by a team of like, you know, 20 to 50 people. And I'm like one guy and I have like two internet friends that are like, hey, maybe I'll help you do that. I'm like, it's <laughs> definitely enough people to make this. But like, there are people I know, I follow on Twitter who are like one, one person and are making these kinds of projects. So I know if I was a Zoomer, I'd be able to do it like by tomorrow because uh, <laughs> the Zoomers have all the real talent. But uh, I don't know. That's the Moonshot project. That was like my, my little raccoon ninja character that I've been doing on my project on Izumi. She started out, she was conceived in concert with this project. That was like a fancy sounds. Damn. That was like alliteration and everything. Yeah. Write that one down. That was good. But um, yeah, there was a PlayStation 2 game I wanted to make with this character. She's kind of similar to like the Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper. I was going to say like, Sly Cooper. I did see mm -hmm. her, her animations and stuff. And it, was, it did remind me of Sly Cooper, especially like kind of because you do. I, I saw you were doing like a 2D shader, which was really, really awesome. Yeah, that was like one of my big breakthroughs like earlier this year was figuring out how to do that. Because uh, one of my the, one of my favorite game series is Guilty Gear. And uh, it's like a fighting game, like an anime style fighting game. And they came out with Guilty Gear XR a couple years ago, which is like the, not the third one, but like the newest one. And like they made it, the game was usually 2D. They would have 2D drawn sprites for the entire history of the game going back to like the early 90s. But for this one, they did like cell shaded uh, 3D models that animate just like 2D. So like if you're, if you are no animation, you know that there's like, uh, you have in 3D, most 3D animations like Pixar and stuff, they use, you know, smooth interpolation. So you have your keyframes, which is like the, the the strongest part of your poses. So like if you're drawing a character punching, right, your keyframe would be before and like the, the like extension of the punch, like the, the beginning and end of the punch. Those would be your keyframes. And then your in-betweens are like you drawing the motion, taking you from the beginning of the punch to the end. Um, computers can automatically create those in-betweens. So that's why like Pixar animation stuff looks super smooth because they have really strong keyframes. They have like some supporting frames that they do manually, but the computer can smoothly interpolate between the rest. So you get this really nice smooth motion that's similar to how like things in real life move because we're moving not with keyframes. We're you know because we're not animated. It's all super smooth because real life. We're not. Um, uh, well, it's debatable. We could be in a simulation, but as far <laughs> as we know. Um, 2D obviously is all drawings, so you have to have some limitation in your movement. And you can be crazy like Disney and animate on ones at 24 FPS, like really smooth, and try and get rip close to uh to 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 how actual like humans move. Uh, but most of the time you're gonna animate at a lower frame rate. Uh, you know, like anime is a great example where they animate anywhere from like you know at the high end. They'll do one sometimes. They'll get up to, like 24 frames, but it's commonly done 12 or 8 frames. Uh, a second depending on the intensity of the scene a lot of times dialogue is done at eight mm -hmm. um action scenes will shift between 12 and 24 you know 
uh, you can obviously change depending on uh, the situation. But because that aesthetic is running at a lower frame rate, it has like its own character to it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it looks different. And as we've watched all this animation all of our lives, we kind of mentally, uh, kind of subconsciously uh, internalize how it looks. So when you mm-hmm. play like a video game, that's done in an anime style, like Persona, for example. Uh, shout out to anybody who knows what Persona is, mm-hmm. but it's an anime game. Um, they still interpolate smoothly because it's done with computers. So while the, the the character design looks like anime, as soon as it starts moving, you're like, oh, it's it's a you know it's a 3D model mm-hmm. because it's moving more like a Pixar movie than it is you know like uh, 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 an anime itself. So Guilty Gear was crazy because they animated it with stepped animation like you would in 2d so they made all the keyframes manually and didn't interpolate between them so you look at guilty gear and it looks 2d even though it's a high resolution 3d game because they just made the shader look just like drawings and they animated it in the exact same way a 2d animation would be not smoothing everything out and so this is like blowing everybody's mind and like they've done tons of anime based games now because every company's throwing money at them like please just do that for naruto please uh so you know that was like really inspiring because i was just like oh this is so cool because like i grew up on anime i love anime it looks super cool but i could never make it because i can't draw in perspective which is like the number one thing to making your cool anime poses Um, so when i realized that like they were doing that i'm like i have to try it and so i i've done a few experiments with that and it's coming along and you know, as I learn more, it's going to get better and better. And it's just like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Making something like that is super cool. So would you do something with like your own story and you would write your own story and develop your own story for the game? Or would you work with uh, another artist or another writer to help develop that kind of story? Um, I, I'm definitely, I enjoy writing a lot. So like the game already has a story that I uh, would probably work to, to realize. Uh, I know, I mean, I I designed Azumi as a character to kind of be the antithesis of, like, how I tended to work before mm-hmm. um, uh, in writing terms, you know, like a pantser versus a plotter. You know, a pantser is somebody who just kind of makes it up as they go, and a plotter is somebody who sits down and is like, I need an outline for everything. I need all the details. <laughs> I need everything written out beforehand so I know exactly where I'm going. I was a serial plotter all of my creative life. I would get bogged down in pre-production. I have a whole Google Drive folder full of like a decade's worth of story ideas that I have completely planned out but collapsed under their own weight because they were just too ambitious. <laughs> when it came to Azumi, I was like, screw it. I'm pants in this. So uh, I just started making things without any real plan. Um, and just as I kept iterating on the character, her personality kind of came to me naturally. And the, her story can, came to me naturally. And I didn't plan any of that out. But now I do have a story that I'd want to tell with this game if it ever gets made. Uh, and I think it'll be pretty cool and pretty anime because, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like one of those people that works better with other people. So um, I think I've been probably bothering Tommy ever since I've known him to, like, get a team. And he's like, no, I like to suffer. So, you know, yeah, doing the best you, know. you can. <laughs> I mean, if it, I have a couple people now, just saying. So taking a, if you want, take, yeah. If you want more, it's 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 pretty easy to set up an Indeed account. You know, there people are just I there. Know. But then then they're like, "Well, you're gonna pay me?" I'm like, "You think I have money? I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I wanted money, I'd, I'd have tons of other options." 
money isn't everything. <sighs> Gotta pay them in exposure. Don't, don't. I'm gonna kick you off the podcast right now. <laughs> I'm gonna set the exposure setting on my camera and we all take a group selfie. <laughs> <laughs> I've done rants about that for those who are not here and I'm just like, no, they're like, if they're, you know, if you're bored anyway and, you know, you, you need opportunities, like, you're not like, and you're not the best at whatever you're doing anyway. But like, that's like, I, I'm with you. I think doing work for exposure is good uh, in certain circumstances. Like I had a whole rant on my Patreon where I do like bonus rants and stuff for patrons. <laughs> uh, when the whole Elon Musk People thing, still pay you for that? Uh, look, I don't control people's wallets. <laughs> I just, I just offer and they, they come for it. It's just fine, whatever. But I had this like I was ranting about the whole Elon Musk thing where he retweeted that art of 2B without crediting and people were like jumping down his throat. I'm like, that artist just got exposed to like 2.3 million people for free. Yeah. Like that's that's even if like one percent of one percent bothered to search for who that artist was who did that picture. That's like, what, 23,000 new eyeballs on your work. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good thing. I mean, I'll keep it short because we've covered this topic before, essentially, like all over the place because it's a thing that bothers me and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, if you're going to volunteer and do stuff, just make sure you know what you want to get out of the experience beforehand, essentially. So, you know, usually like warn people like, hey, I can't pay you, but, you know, if we finish this game or you can, you know, if you're going to if you want to practice doing this thing anyway, but this way it's 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 going to a greater cause and not just sitting on your demo reel like forever and then never sees the light of day. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, but like don't like don't be like, hey, I'll pay you when I feel like it. And then you forget about it. That's that's always bad. So, you know, don't right. don't manipulate yeah. people, everyone. Exactly. I mean, the way that I've been approaching it with the, the handful of people I'm working with right now is that we're working on a smaller project before we tackle the big 3D game. And basically, I said, if we get this game done, because we're just doing it for fun mm-hmm. you know, in, in between other things right now, because I'm juggling 10 million projects because I can't just focus on one thing. That's a mood. So if we get it done, we'll kickstart it. Like, we'll figure, like, you know, you'll get a percentage of whatever the Kickstarter makes. So you're paid for your work. And then uh, when the game goes on sale, like maybe for like uh, a year or, or 18 months after the game comes out, you get a percentage of all sales made in that time frame. So like. Mm-hmm. basically if i make money you make money and if i make nothing you make nothing we all had a good time this is kind of where my head's at in terms of uh uh that that kind of like yeah patient i mean thing. i think that's just the way to do it with like all that stuff in general is just kind of say like hey you know if you feel like you're getting something out of experience then you know and the other thing is like the 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 atmosphere of working with a team will push other people to do stuff they might, might not normally do and might might not not have the resources for essentially like so like instead of just like blowing something off because they don't have anyone to um um to to to, to call like to hold them accountable essentially if they're just working on their own thing now suddenly you're in a group and then if you don't get your shit done then other people are gonna get, be mad at you so that also can be a motivator to to get off your butt and do things but anyway we're getting super off topic so um so, Tommy, what are some good 3D programs that people can get their hands on and where are good resources that they can go to to get information and, like, like classes and stuff on them? Sure. Um, it depends, I suppose, on what you want to do. I mean, if you're, if you're just 
casually curious and you want to get and you want to check out 3d it's something that you know could be cool if you're always like oh man i like playing video games 3d's always interested me or you know i like pixar um i would just download blender that's what i use it's totally free and open source you just go to blender.org um and it's ridiculously good the community support for blender is huge uh last year they released a new version called blender 2.8 and they've updated that a few times where they completely changed the ui made it much much easier to use added tons of new features um it's incredible like i i tend to use free software when i can because i'm poor number one and number two i like supporting community projects like that um but like blender is like probably like the only program that i have like actual pride in using just because i think the community is just like so cool and the guy who's in charge of the blender foundation which is who makes uh the program is just like a really chill down-to-earth guy he's just like straight up like i'm not interested in money that's why i give blender away you know, we raise funds to keep the project going. We have a strong community and it's just like really cool and it's really powerful and it can do as much or as little as you want it to. I mean, any 3D package is going to be like overwhelming at the start, but uh, Blender's come such a long way since I started using it and 2.8 was a huge, a huge release that really, I think, equalizes it a lot. And like they also added a complete 2D workflow in there as well. So you can actually mix and match 2D and 3D right in Blender. Uh, and people have been doing some really crazy stuff with it. Um, if you're, on the other hand, if you're like already like hardcore sold, like I want to be a 3D artist for Hollywood or for Pixar or for DreamWorks, and like that's what you want to do, like you should probably get used to industry standard tools. Like uh, as great as Blender is, and I think like more and more studios are going to start adopting it just because like it's free and it's like getting closer and closer <laughs> to, to, uh, you know, studio spec, like blender, the blender foundation is gunning for, uh, Autodesk right now. Like they want to just like convince everybody that like we're better and free, but like not as a meme, but like true. Uh, <laughs> but for the meantime, like Autodesk does rule the roost. So like learn Maya, learn, uh, uh, a, a, a ZBrush for sculpting and stuff like that's like kind of like the traditional pipeline is do your sculpting in ZBrush and then move it over to Maya, retopologize it, and do all the animation and rigging and stuff in Maya. Um, Maya is really expensive unless you're a student because they're the industry standards. So they can charge like literally thousands of dollars for licenses and stuff, uh, which I would never pay for even if I had the money. But um, yeah, if you want to get in the industry, that's what everyone's going to use. So learn that what's what's the difference between blender and maya um <clears throat> i think maya i mean i've never used maya so i can't really say like firsthand what the difference is but from what i understand it's just um it's kind of like this like like it's like the 3d equivalent of photoshop you know it's just so ubiquitous that everybody who's working professionally knows how it's used and expects you to know how it's used because like it integrates into everyone's pre-existing pipelines um there are like certain things that i that maya probably does better than blender um but in terms of like my workflow there's not i've never been like man I, blender's not good enough to do x like it just does everything and what's nice about blender is because um it's one pro it's like a free program it's kind of decided it's just going to do everything like if you're in maya like if you want to sculpt usually go to zbrush and then like zbrush is another thousand dollar license or whatever and then when you're done with your zbrush stuff you bring it to maya Blender just added a sculpt mode, so you can just sculpt directly in Blender and then immediately move to to retopologizing it also in Blender, this free program. 
and then you can do your animation in Blender, and then you can do your video editing, compositing in Blender, and then you can add some 2D effects on top of it in Blender, and it's just like it just does everything, uh, which is kind of overwhelming, but like also really nice that like hobbyists and just people who want to like do their own thing have a complete software solution that costs them literally nothing. Um, just as like a funny aside, like I when I was doing 2D like all through high school and college, like had to use photoshop but i always pirated it because like i couldn't afford photoshop uh, so i never i never paid adobe money but like blender is free and i loved it so much i bought like a beanie from them so i paid more for a free program than i did for photoshop essentially <laughs> it's like with procreate for for like because i have an ipad i i wanted to invest in an ipad to be able to make it easier to take my professional work with me and and in general even my my if you are a parent huh and you, if you're a parent, no, I'm just gonna do a thing. If you're a parent and you're like, my kid loves to draw, get them a fucking iPad just like now, please. Because you know like, what you can do. The don't easiest be my $10, parents. Easiest and best ten dollars you'll ever spend on an iPad is on Procreate. It's so because good. lordy, it comes comes with so much, and each update brings you that much more. Plus, it's like you pay once and that's it. You never have to pay for it again. And only if you want to like add maybe custom brushes that uh, somebody developed, uh, and that costs a couple more bucks. I mean, it's I mean it's more than worth it considering how much Adobe normally costs. So just saying. Yeah, definitely worth. I will third that. I as a proud Procreate user, it is absolutely worth it. You got to buy the iPad first, obviously. But you know, if you're like, there's so many artists that are that just buy iPads because they're using Procreate, and that's it. You know. Yeah. So. I mean, that was a huge selling point for me to get one in the first place. It's the only so, reason and, I bought and, one. And, yeah, and plus, also too. get one of also get one of those um, paper like covers. There's a bunch of different kinds of them. All of them trying to be paper like. If you want to buy from the the original source, you can obviously go to the website and buy it. Um, but you can get like one pack, two packs, all that kind of stuff. Paper like is basically a screen protector for your iPad that fits perfectly over your screen and it has a grain to it. So when, so that way, when you're drawing over it with your Apple pencil, which yeah, you should get, if you're going to get any Apple pencil, sorry, you're going to have to shell out the 115 bucks or whatever to get the, uh, to get the Apple too. It's like 400 for everything. You know, three hundred, four hundred for everything. The the pencil and the um. Yeah, so it's like the, the, but the pencil. I mean, you want to make sure that it actually freaking works with the iPad. So you're you're probably gonna have to get the official Apple II pencil, uh, especially because Apple One pencil doesn't work on anything that's like a, a newer generation iPad. Just the more you know. Anyway, um, but the uh, but yeah, to get the paper like texture on there. Oh my gosh, the it's a dream to put one on and some and for me, I draw kind of hard because I, I press really hard with my pencil uh just out of bad habit and I try to not but um but uh, it can wear down the grain a little bit and I w went through mine in like seven or eight months but it's inex <laughs> but it's inexpensive to replace them anyway so um it's probably better to, like once you try one out then you can get like a multi-pack or something later down the line uh just and it's easy to replace but I mean it provides that resistance that you that if you like drawing with pencil and paper, you get that feeling when you draw it on an iPad, when you have that protector on, and it's absolutely amazing. Anyway, I'm sorry, this is a, not a 3D thing, but I, just important to know, especially for people who are looking for inexpensive alternatives to maybe Adobe products or anything else like that. I am I'm the, I'm the down with Autodesk, down with Adobe. 
uh, de- death to all of them. <laughs> uh, anybody talking about uh, get, robbing Adobe of an extra dollar is is gets an A plus in my book. Uh, ever since they all switched their subscription service stuff, I'm just like, nope. Um, if you're on the desktop, get Affinity Designer and Affinity Photo. They're like Photoshop and Illustrator, but they're $50 once you own them. So instead of one month of Creative Cloud, you can own it forever. Uh, I bought it in 2014 when it came out on the Mac. It's now on Windows as well. Uh, fantastic. Just as good as Photoshop. Uh, has a lot of interesting features. Totally worth it. I use that all the time for like making thumbnails and doing like design work and just drafting stuff out on the computer super good yeah um i think what are um so tommy like maybe go talk about like like talk about the resources if you, they want to learn how to use blender that might be free like so i imagine you said a community so i'm sure there's a bunch of like oh yeah people with youtube videos i don't know like what sure. you tell me about i actually that? have a vi- like a crappy little vlog on my youtube channel talking about where you should go to learn blender because like somebody asked me this a couple uh, like a month or two ago but um there's like the pipeline I would recommend if you want to learn Blender and you're like totally new to it is I would go on YouTube and I would search Andrew Price donut tutorial. There's like this like very popular tutorial that and- Andrew Price does. He's like a Blender guy who does like YouTube videos and stuff on how to make a realistic donut in Blender. It's like takes you through the entire process of like setting up Blender and like learning how to do the basics and teaches you just like all these really good things. So by the time you're done, you have a, a model that looks really good uh and you've learned kind of the, the whole basic blocks of how the, the program works um if you want to like really dive deep and learn any everything and everything about blender i'd recommend getting a cg cookie subscription it's like a hundred dollars a year but they have like professional level classes that go over everything from beginner to uh super advanced level uh, i've been going through courses on there on and off forever uh it's really really good stuff I'm going through some of their retopology stuff right now because I need it really bad. Um, they also have concept art cookie, which is included subscription. So you can do like concept art in 2D. So if you are a 3D guy and you want to get your concept art and 2D work up to par, they have that. If you want to take your Blender skills and move them into game design, they have a whole Unity uh, program as well. So you can, and including like cross-discipline things. So they have a, they have these things called learning flows. So instead of just like looking at a big list of courses, they have like, okay, if you want to do this, here's like a sequence of courses start to finish that'll take you from the beginnings of how to do this thing all the way to the end. And they have interdisciplinary stuff. Like if you want to make games, we'll start with teaching you how to use Blender to make some game level models. And then from there, we'll show you how to import these models into Unity and start doing stuff to them as C-sharp coding and stuff. So like, it's a really well done uh, uh, site. And the guy who started it, um, did YouTube tutorials for a while that I used to watch, and then he founded this this site and like got a bunch of other people involved. Now they're doing like they're like the premier place to learn Blender and like a lot of these other disciplines. Um, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, and then if you just kind of want like some quick and easy stuff, there's a guy on YouTube called uh, Royal Skies LLC. He's a Blender artist and game designer, and he does tutorials in under two minutes. He just cuts out all the fat and it's just like, hey, you want to learn this? Boom, 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 done. Wow. Like they're intermediate. They're intermediate like videos. You have to understand how Blender works and things like that already. But like if you're somebody like me who's been using the program for a little while and you're like pretty, you, you, you know the basics, 
and you just like, I want to learn something new. I want to know how to do this. Like in two minutes, you'll go from like how to like, oh, and you're done. Uh, so he kind of like inspired a bunch of copycats. There's like five or six different people who make videos like in that style now. But his was the first. His was the best. Uh, super recommended just for like quickly learning new skills. You know, like every couple of days you can just learn something new uh, while you're having your cup of coffee. Like before you've even finished half of it, you know, a new uh, blend. That's awesome. I think my last question, unless Lauren has more questions, is um, what kind of PC setup would you recommend to run all this stuff without any issues? Uh, okay. I mean, I did all my low-poly stuff when I started on, like, a Surface Pro 3 or i3. So, like, you don't need a super powerful computer to get started if you just want to do the basics, if you want to do low-poly and things like that. Um, if you want some headroom... I would recommend, you know, uh, a dedicated graphics card is kind of a must. Um, I'd recommend an NVIDIA graphics card, especially if you're using Blender, um, because the the Cycles render engine, which is like they have two uh, engine rendering uh, systems, which is just kind of like you take your work in progress thing and it spits out like a finished product. You know, like when you watch a Pixar movie that's been rendered out uh, using, I think RenderMan is their like proprietary one that they have. But um. Mm rendering is like probably the most taxing thing that you do because it's just like taking your model like making it a finished product and it's like calculating all the lighting and all the shading and stuff like that um so nvidia cards have this thing called cuda which is just like a graphics accelerator sort of thing doesn't really matter exactly how the tech works especially because i don't know how it actually works i'm not that smart but um (laughs) basically uh you can use your graphics card to do all that rendering and uh NVIDIA's CUDA stuff works way faster than AMD's, which is the other major graphics card provider, in my experience. So, me being me, I have an AMD card, and it's slow and crashes my computer because uh, it's not good enough to use cycles. So I do all my work in Eevee, which is their real-time renderer, which kind of works like a video game renderer would, whereas cycles is more like a Pixar movie kind of renderer. So, like, Eevee is faster, but it doesn't do, like, real-time, like, light calculation and stuff. So there's, like, certain features it can't do. So you can run Eevee on like a potato. It's fine. <laughs> but if you want, if you want to use cycles and get like the, the pretty like super magic God Ray powers, like that's, that's when you're going to want to get a dedicated graphics card. It doesn't have to be an expensive one. Um, like right now, as of this recording, like a 1650, a GTX 1650 is like, I think like a $150 card. That'll be fine. Get like a Core i5 or a Ryzen 5 processor. That'll be more than enough. I'd recommend at least 16 gigs of RAM just to give you some overhead and an SSD so you get that snappy uh, disk access. That's it. The whole thing will run you maybe like 600 bucks if you build it. Maybe somewhere closer to 800 if you want to buy it pre-built into a off the basics. I totally understood all of that. Um, <laughs> do you have any more questions, Lauren? Um, I guess what we like to close out with is uh, is just what we want to hear from uh, our guests every time is uh, if you have any advice for anybody who wants to become a 3D artist or is already a 3D artist and maybe is just starting and uh, and just just wants to know where to go next. <laughs> sure, uh, I think the most important thing is like not selling yourself short. I uh, in 2006, I was still in high school. There was this guy who I'm still a huge fan of, M. Dot Strange, and he got featured on YouTube back when the YouTube feature page existed and mattered uh, for a trailer for an animated movie he was working on called We Are the Strange. And it was a fully done feature film he did by himself. 
Uh, he did two more feature films by himself after that. Guy's a god. It's probably why I'm so hung up on wanting to be an autodidact because that's what he does, and it's the coolest thing in the world. But um, but does he like have a life? Uh, no. <laughs> no, he does not have a life, and and he likes it that way. Uh, I guess you know. Y- so you know. You you pick and choose your battles. The things you trade off, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Like he like he like romanticizes that too. He's like, oh, my friends are going to the bar. I didn't care about copulating with women. I would go home and I would work on my movie. And like he would use those words. It's funny. He's a great guy. Um, but uh, I've talked to him a couple times. He's like a badass. But uh, he did this whole 3D animated movie. And like in high school, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I want to learn how to do 3D. And then I tried, and I was like, this is too hard. And I quit because I was like, I'm too dumb. I can't do it. And um, for like 12, yeah, like 12 years, I just told myself I was too dumb. And then, uh, you know, one day I was like, screw this. I'm going to do it. And I did. And I can do 3D now. And it's like getting better all the time. And now I'm doing like game design, which I told myself in high school as well. I'm too dumb. I can't make games. And now I'm making games. Uh, and 3D printing is a new thing that I was like, oh, I'm too dumb. I can't do 3D printing. That's for smart people. And now I'm doing like 3D like printouts of like my characters that used to just exist in the computer. So like we live in the age of the internet now. Everybody has access to literally the entirety of human knowledge and experience. And there's, there are people who have natural talent who can just click with things. I'm not one of those people. I've never had that. The only thing I'm naturally good at is procrastinating. Uh, So Everything else has just been beating my face against the wall, trying to learn something and just like being uh, uh, t- too tenacious to, to let it go. Um, That's a mood. And if you if, if you start something and it's really hard, that's normal. You know, like I would always tell myself, oh, if I can't like magically get it, then I'm a loser. Uh, because in high school, I was surrounded like my two best friends were both like really gifted savant people. Uh, my two friends were like, one of them was like a programmer at 15, could draw photorealistically without even breaking a sweat, uh, straight A student, like like the the like smartest person I've ever met in my life. And my other like best friend was like really good at photography. Uh, his parents just gave him everything he ever wanted. So he had like every tool and every toy you could ever possibly want. Like these are the people I hung out with. So like to me, that was normal. And here was me, a scrub who like his only skill was like, getting s rank combos and devil may cry on ps2 uh and had no <laughs> talent at all so like when i tried to do something and it didn't magically come to me like the only other people i had social contact with were my assumption was like i'm not good enough uh but i was just normal and i was surrounded by freaks so uh if Are you, you still suck friends at something, with these people yeah yeah that's, that's good so like i didn't i didn't let that ruin my friendship with them or anything it's just like clearly we're on starting off on a different foot you know yeah. And, like, the funny thing is, it's, like, one of those friends now, like, he has all these resources but barely does anything with them. Meanwhile, like, I'm slowly climbing my way up the ladder trying to, like, get a little bit better every day. So, like, it's just, it's just, like, <sighs> social media makes it really difficult to, to, to let yourself be shitty at something for a while. Because mm-hmm. the algorithms make the cream of the crop rise to the top and, like, it just you're competing now on a stage that's global. And so the top 5% of the entire world is like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And that's what you see every day. You're like, that's normal. Basically my childhood is at scale. You're just surrounded by the best, like uh, outstanding 
examples of your craft that it becomes it seems like the norm but like for every like sakimi chan out there there's a bazillion people like me who are just like smashing crayons against the piece of paper like trying their damnedest and like slowly getting better one day at a time so if you boot up a program or you put a pencil to paper you put fingers to keys whatever your your inclinations are and you're just like this is garbage it's like jake said sucking at some first step to being sort of good at some so just keep trucking keep making it happen and uh do it just do it nike product placement done i did it i'm getting my paycheck as soon as we're done <laughs> i'm not a scrub anymore mom Ugh. i did it no more hanging out the passenger side of your best friend's ride <laughs> uh, no that's what i do every day <laughs> Okay, so that's a song reference. For people who don't know that, that's a song reference to Scrub. For you non nineties kids that are not in the loop, (laughs) Um, you'll hear it on TikTok at some point. I'm sure Bastille did a cover of it, and then everybody goes, "Oh, that's a new song." Um, But anyway, go go ahead, go ahead, Lauren. Do the oh, Oh. Tommy, where can people find your your shit? Yeah, I was gonna Uh, say plug. Go to at Tommy Oliver says on Twitter, patreon.com slash polystation2, where you can uh, listen to all my bonus rants if you, for some reason, want to do that. I don't understand people. Um, and YouTube, uh, just Tommy Oliver 3D. I don't upload there very often, but when I do, they're usually half ass vlogs that could have been a lot better if I actually cared about videos, but I don't. Do you still get <laughs> horse people commenting on your vlogs every once in a while? Or every once in a while I get somebody saying, Where the fuck is Canterlot Wedding? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's been eighty-four years. Yeah, you know. Can never really leave. No one's ever really gone. Oh my god. <laughs> well, on that that depressing note, I guess. <laughs> so if you're new to the podcast, we're like 20-ish episodes in, so please watch the rest or listen to the rest of them. If you really want to watch them, you can go on YouTube and just, like, glue your brain to the loop that we have if you want to watch them because that's what we have. Like, comment, subscribe. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe to the main channel, which is, like, I'm, like, I'm I'm pushing really hard to build the main channel, and we're, like, gaining traffic again, and I had to tell all my friends, like, look, guys, we're getting, like, subscribers again. Yay! So ideally, I'd like to keep that up, at least for my self-esteem. So you know, if you like animation, um, and ponies, every once in a while, um, someone asks me. Like everyone always finds me, and they're just like, "I used to watch your stuff. Do you still do brony stuff?" And I'm just like, "Just yep. now on weekends and holidays, but every other stuff, we have some cool stuff." KP, where's my episode by episode breakdown of Pony Life? It's been like three weeks. Fucking <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> No, no, Tommy, no that's like a whole it's a whole out. thing. There's a whole thing where I'll keep it brief because I'm going to cover it like in-depthly, <laughs> but they Peter New replaced John Delancey as Discord and I'm I'm so mad. I cried. Tony Life's got that budget <laughs> constraints, dude. They can't they can't bring in the A-list talent anymore. They got to keep it local. They they you, they got You t- did see the you did see the animation. I I see some things never truly change over Pony is that did you see that there was one shot from Pony Life where um the 
like I guess when Fluttershy has gotten huge and she yells at the team and the team's being blown back by her scream or whatever and and that one split second shot as you're seeing them trying to brace against the wind and being blown away is that all of a sudden they all have wings <laughs> all of their bodies have suddenly have wings for this one shot <laughs> I'm like oh, they weren't wow. there before and here they are now for the split second. Okay. <laughs> it wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be My Little Pony without some unfortunate <laughs> uh, puppet issues and not hiding all the layers properly. Sudden alicorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to sell your soul, I guess you can watch some Pony Life stuff. But um, I haven't seen it. But yeah, we otherwise it's, it's, have it's, episodes it's, I, on. Did you even other- finish the series, Tommy? Sorry to interrupt, Lauren. Uh, no, it's cool. no, I missed like three seasons or something, but I watched the finale just because. It was okay. I, I like the, I mean. Was, did they have to give all of them bags under their eyes when they got older? I was just yeah, like, that was gross. Ugh. No, I mean like the rest of it, you know. Right. No, there's actually, people were. Um, so- ponies, characters get older, guys. I didn't have as much of an issue with that, but whatever. But they okay. have fur. <laughs> you don't see bags under your eyes through fur. <laughs> It's very short for. It'll make no sense. And it'll look gross. It's the same thing in Justice League, the first season of Justice League, when they gave Superman these like weird like things under his eyes that made him look like he was a skull. And, like <laughs> by like season three they took them out because they realized, hey, that was a terrible decision. These little things, they annoy me. These are the things I notice in animation and I don't know why. Um, yeah, people were so like um, frustrated with the the eyes that there were edits where they people like mask out the eyes and all the shots, but oh, you know, like people are like the parents don't have any eyes and just like eye bags, and I'm like, imagine imagine caring that much. <laughs> I'm complaining about it on a podcast, and even I don't care that much. I just think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, what kind of people care care about so much about the details and animation? It's disgusting. <laughs> Animation's just for kids. Who cares? Just- isn't it just like little kids that make the stuff anyway? Yeah, yeah. And then you just push a button and then it's done, right? Duh. You're going <laughs> to tell me fans have gone in and they've and they've digitally edited out the, the, the bags under the character's eyes, but they're not going to go in and like digitally undo all the animation errors? Come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> I don't know. If, if, I guess if, if, if we everyone harasses Tommy to watch the rest of the, sh- the horse show, we'll get him back or something. I don't know. Um. So there's your homework. Um, yeah. So make sure. But yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Make sure you tune in every week. Uh, every Wednesday we we aim to have our. I'm gonna go through the whole spiel. Is every Wednesday in the morning hours we usually have our episode up on all your favorite little podcast streaming services. Uh, and then by the evening we usually have the afternoon evening we usually have. Uh, the YouTube link up as well, so that way you have some nice little visuals to to look at uh, while you listen to the episode. So we basically just have like a, a visualizer kind of version. Um, and uh, yeah, so stay tuned every week. We uh, try to stay as on schedule as possible. <laughs> but you know, Rip me. life. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. But thanks to everybody that's tuned in for this, and thank you, Tommy, for joining us. It was it was really fun having you on here tonight. Oh no problem. Thanks for having. Yeah. Me. Um. Yeah. Just subscribe everywhere. We work really hard. Um. I work so hard. Hit that bell for <laughs> notifications. I just want to take a nap. I saw a comment today where they're just like, "I like the podcast better than the main channel." I'm like, "No, you will like both equally." <laughs> the- <laughs> 
there is there is no such thing as one over the other. When you say you like the podcast, you're saying you like everything. That is the, just the podcast is That's such just what happens. a minimal you, the, effort compared the, to the main stuff. But go ahead, Tommy. The audience reception is always inversely proportional to the amount of effort you put in. This is just a law of the internet. <sighs> It's it's just like anytime somebody makes like a super detailed picture and they're like, look, this took me several hours to paint and it gets like two likes. But then you exactly. throw together a meme with like a cheap meme with a screenshot and a cup and a couple lines of text and suddenly boom. Thousands of likes and retweets. I was told I don't, I don't hard work it. pays off. The internet has proven me wrong. Capitalism lied Not to gonna- me. <laughs> Not gonna lie, one of my oldest pieces on on my DeviantArt account, uh, it's I think for a while it was my most liked, and I think it was like my yeah I think it was my most most liked uh, uh, post that I had on my DeviantArt, and it was literally something that took me not even a minute to throw together. It was a screenshot from a Jonas Brothers video that had like Microsoft work and the Microsoft Paint text laid over it. I <laughs> just typed in in two seconds and just threw just threw it up there and posted it. Uh, high school me was very cringy. Uh, <laughs> who 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 wasn't cringy in high school though? Um, exactly. <laughs> but I'm like, I still kept getting likes on that. I'm like, why? It's been like twelve years. <laughs> these are these are I our don't standards. Understand the internet? It's very strange. <laughs> it's a very weird, weird thing. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> That's it. It's That's over. It for everybody. Go home. We're done now. <laughs> yeah, the you're still here. It's over. <laughs> go home. You're already home because COVID. Do-do-do. All right. Yeah. So just go go to the other room. Then. Go to bed. Uh, go take a shower. Go take a shower. Go go eat a healthy meal if you haven't already. Uh, exercise. Take care of yourselves and each other. Is is that not what what? Jerry Springer used to say at the end of shows, take care of yourself. Okay, we're, we're, we, can, we, can, we can end it. Okay, bye. <laughs> this is an important question. We need to get thanks to the bottom for joining. of it. <laughs> take care, everybody, and thanks for joining us for our Ramble Fest, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication.